Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually-minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. Friends, how are you? It is Leo WT here for Conversations. Uh, You might notice that we're on a little bit different of a setup this time. We're actually going live from my personal page as opposed to the Conversations page. But there's been a lot of activity recently on on my page in particular and in the Olean area in particular. And I thought the reach of my page might be a little bit more appropriate for this conversation. So uh, if you haven't listened to Conversations before, this is the professional shtick that you get uh, every week when I broadcast. But Conversations is a safe space for spirit spiritually minded conversation about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. And the main tenet is that absolutely everybody is welcome at the conversation. So this is what I do on a weekly basis. This is what I, you know, trap my friends into doing with me on a weekly basis. And this is the pastoral work that I find myself engaging in at the moment. And I wanted to invite everybody in Facebook land into this conversation because There's a lot of very tangible things happening right now, uh, particularly in Olean, that involve fractured interfaith relationships, or perhaps, I'm not even going to say fractured, because in a lot of ways, they've never been fostered, and I feel like that's a true travesty, and I feel like it's an injustice, and so... I know a lot of people want to pigeonhole me as the LGBTQ person, but I need um, the whole world, all seven of you that are surely watching at this moment, I just want folks to know that I'm actually the human rights person. And I believe that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And it's my position, or it's my mandate as a person of certain privileges in this world, and as a person who, um, you know, somewhat regrettably comes from the Christian tradition, it's my job to actively stand up and hold space and engage in conversations that the world needs to become a better place. So today I have asked um, two of my friends here to speak with me and I'm going to have them introduce themselves real quick. So um, whoever wants to go first, just say your name and and who you are and maybe why I roped you into this. Go ahead, Saad. My name is Saad Mirza. Um, I graduated Olean High School in 2017 and, you know, I grew up in the Olean area. Leo and I were talking recently um, about some recent Islamophobia that sort of surfaced in the area and um, just had a really good conversation about his background as a Christian minister and uh, trying to expose and and talk about uh, these interfaith discussions. And uh, I was really excited to join and hop on. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, Saad. My name is Angela. Um, I'm joining today as a person who grew up in the Christian faith, actually, and reverted to Islam in 2015, and I would like to speak on many different subjects today. I've been I've been badgering Angela, uh, but I, I lovingly badgering Angela because I feel like I feel like honestly Angela is a great person, um, and interacting with her has has challenged me to grow as a human. Um, and I there's nothing more that I appreciate than people that that, that challenge me to level up 
right? Um, because I, as a human, I'm always going to have blind spots. And one of them was sort of a, a blindness to the privilege that I have as a person who comes from a Christian background. Um, and to be clear, my name's Leo WT. Uh, you guys know me as a hairdresser and as kind of a guy that talks a lot, but here's the thing. Um, this is actually kind of my fourth coming out in a way. Uh, I am actually a Christian pastor by uh, training and by trade. That's been a large portion of my employment history. That's what my professional history has been. And that's where my education lies. I have a bachelor's of science in pastoral ministry with a concentration in Bible, not something practical, like interpreting the Bible or teaching the Bible, just straight Bible. Uh, and my concentration was in church growth and development. Furthermore, I'm, in, I'm undertaking my master's of arts in religious studies with a concentration in interreligious studies at the moment. And I have my eye on a PhD. PhD in theology. And so a lot of people don't know this, but this is actually absolutely the conversation that I have professional credibility to speak on. Um, and so as someone who kind of finds themselves on the fringes, even of Christianity, I think it's important to have these conversations. And so I appreciate uh, everybody for coming. Before we go any further too, I need to make one statement clear. And this is a really important statement, is that frequently when someone comes out from a minority or marginalized position, they are assumed to be the voice of that population. And I think it's important to note that there are as many views of Islam as there are Muslim individuals. And so I don't want to perpetuate the idea that there is a singular voice of Islam. Uh, I want the world to engage this conversation with the understanding that there are as many views of Islam as there are Muslim individuals, and as there is with Christianity, and as there is with Catholicism, and as there is with Judaism. But I think a lot of times people like to pigeonhole or put a lot of weight on people who are willing to speak up, and I, I'm trying to in some way mitigate that weight uh, for both Angela and Saad. So. Um, Angela, I know you have a lot of thoughts going into this. Do you want to start us off or like what like what's burning at your at your mind here? Well, just about what you just said, um, because I've kind of fought with myself about that specific mm. that thing right there, that statement, because first of all, I'm I'm really still a baby. Muslim, right? Mm -hmm. It's been six years, but I didn't grow up in that. Yeah, um, I'm kind of practicing alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm the head of my own family still. Um, I I also am not living in a Muslim society either. Mm -hmm. You know, so what I'm I'm doing things to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. but I am in no way, shape, or form a scholar. Mm -hmm. I have definitely not studied or read everything there is to know, or even half of what there is to know. So I don't want anyone ever, I fear that I'm going to do something wrong and people are then going to judge Islam based on something I've done. You know, so that has been my fear in this area, actually. Yeah. I have thought something really stupid. I've thought, oh, my goodness, what if I'm on the highway and I'm like doing 75 because I'm late for work? And they're like, yep, I told you I knew it. Look at them Muslims. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. I fear things like that because we are human. Absolutely. And this is this is something this, I'm going to go sideways just for a quick second. This is something I was thinking about. That is the difference between a leader and someone who's just a person who is of some faith. 
right? Mm. So when you're a leader and you're out there spewing certain things that you know you are leading people, mm-hmm. right? And you're telling them, hey, someone is outside the government of God. Mm-hmm. Someone is in need of deliverance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if I'm just any Joe walking down the street, you're okay, shut up, walk away. But no, I'm a leader. That's what makes the difference. And not only am I a leader of you as a congregation, I am a leader of these people I am talking about over here in a whole different area, you know, of the school system. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly salient point in this conversation because no one in the, the, the onus of theological proof should never rest on one person's interpretation right? But when you step into a leadership role, uh, I, you know, like, I love Spider-Man, so we're going to use, we're going to use a, a, a quote from that, but like, with great power comes great responsibility. Then I think that when you are, in fact, a community leader, and if you embrace the idea of being, truly being a pastor, um, or a spiritual leader, your actions have far-reaching consequences, and as a leader and a public person, you're always responsible for the negative space of what happens because of what you say. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that needs to be a conversation, you know what I mean? Because there is very real, very hateful things coming out of Christian pulpits locally. And I say that as as someone who's criticizing my own people, you know what I mean? Um, And I think that there there is a very real difference between someone who just practices the faith and then someone who who purports to be an expert in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts, Saad? I can see your wheels like turning. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just thinking. Just just engaging, right? Um, I think that's really important because, you know, really the issue that brought us here, it's about something that one person said, but I think it exposes a greater issue, which is a system and and a belief structure that's perpetuated by those types of words, right? And so for anyone who's watching that may not be aware, there was recently a sermon that was published uh, by someone who was duly employed as both a pastor and a principal of a public school system in Olean. I'm not using names because I don't feel that this is about a person. I feel this is a a, a systemic issue, but um, this sermon included speech that Muslims and LGBTQ people and Democrats and people with mental illness uh, issues are outside of the government of God. Furthermore, it went on to say uh, that people with mental health issues are, are dealing with possession, and then the sermon also included a, a little stint about how uh, praying for the enemy's mouths to stone shut and tongues lips to be stitched or something and so there's a lot of conflations happening here in terms of the people that are supposed to be you know outside of the government of god or by by default evil and then what you want done to evil people and um it's harmful because fundamentally uh i would have to say that muslims are decidedly inside the government of god like allah is simply another word for god and i'm not trying to gloss over our differences but i am trying to point out our similarities mm-hmm. how do you how does it sit with you angela as um you know as as a parent in the school district and next we'll come to you sad as you know um, a former consumer in the school district and younger person we'll start with angela how how do these comments sit with you as someone who is both an only and resident and a muslim because there you're not the only one you know uh, they were extremely inflammatory so mm-hmm. 
honestly, it reminded me of the beginning of like this four year reign of Trump. Mm-hmm. Because what it did was it brought out like all of these people who were kind of closeted in their hate, right? It brought them out and, and made them believe that it was okay to continue to have those feelings, con- to continue to like breed that in their children. Mm-hmm. And to hear it again from someone who who you think is supposed to be portraying love. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it bothers me more that he, that specific person was a leader of children, mm-hmm. local children, the community. He claims to love all of these kids. Mm-hmm. He's mentoring these kids. They all look up to him. You know, he said in one breath that he loves people. And, you know, I, what really bothered me was knowing that this was said on a public forum, not like in a private group, even on this, on this Facebook, but public with a public audience on a live stream, you know, for any child to hear Mm -hmm. if, okay, kids aren't supposed to have Facebook, but let's forget about those formalities. Okay. Right, right, right. Any of those kids could hear it and say, oh my gosh, really? This man who gives me a high five every day thinks I'm from Satan, mm-hmm. you know, and he thinks I am not valid and I'm not worthy for life, mm-hmm. you know, whether Muslim or not. I mean, he spoke about people whose parent, you know, supposedly he feels that the parents of the Olean City School District have no urge to get up and work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know all of those statements really bothered me but yeah to go back he didn't just say about his personal religious beliefs anyone outside of christianity is not living the the straight path or you know if that's what he wanted to talk about his religious views You know, he could have said something like, you know, we believe the truth is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He specifically said, these people are outside of God. These, this, this, and that, right? So that is what was extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, it puts, it's teaching and breeding hatred. Mm-hmm. And it's giving dangerous thoughts as to what they could potentially go. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. No worries. What the, you know, it's kind of giving thoughts to kids or adults on what they should go and do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're hearing this from someone who is in a position of leadership. And I, I think that that's, that's incredibly crucial to, to recognize in this conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What, what are kind of your thoughts and, and, and responses and reactions so far, Saad? I know that you're not a current student, but I know that these are places and hallways and people that you're familiar with, and you're obviously intimate, intimately familiar with being Muslim in Olean. So what are your, what are your kind of thoughts um, about this situation as it's unfolding? Absolutely. And I, I just want to go back a little bit to, yeah. um, you know, both of us were talking about how you know, if you're a leader, you have a little bit of a bigger responsibility. Um, there's definitely bigger consequences for what you say. You're representing, you know, your entire organization and you're, you know, an official spokesperson. And that that's not who we are. We're, we're just, you know, average people, uh, Muslims who happen to live in the Alien area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, instead of being a leader of this huge group of people we're we're just the people in it mm-hmm. um, so overall i was uh really shocked i uh never expected to hear these kind of things uh coming from you know the school's administration uh you know growing up i went to only in middle school and uh you know I, I thought that the person who made those comments was a was a pretty good guy i, I didn't know that you know he had views or beliefs like this um and ma- making everybody feel included is is really important uh when you're the leader of a public school system there's going to be students who are of all faiths whether that's you know christianity islam or judaism uh but other faiths as well uh people who are not religious people who are atheist um and your responsibility is to make them all feel welcome. I mean, this is not like a private school system that, you know, is exclusively Christian. And even if it was, it should still be fostering an environment of inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say that certain groups are outside the government of God and that they need help, uh, you know, to be prayed over is uh, really hurtful. I think that I'm not a current student, but if I was a current student, you know, I would feel less safe. I would feel less comfortable going to school, knowing that the people that are in charge and responsible don't really care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Absolutely. just a little. No, that that makes total sense, and I think that there's there's kind of a conversation arising on social media. Uh, we've had a couple anonymous pages pop up, really, that have brought to light some of the issues that we're seeing right now on, uh, at least on Facebook. And I think the. Um, the conversation needs to be approached where like how how do you how do you be a leader who harbors these um divisive beliefs and you know still purport to be a loving love-based individual because i know christianity is supposedly based on love right from what i know of islam it is absolutely based on the same principles in terms of loving and furthermore i think something that the quran does from my limited and you know neophyte study uh, of of um the quran something that i've seen over and over is that the quran actually provides like instructions on how to be loving which is i think something that the bible falls short on right there's a lot of ways in which um from what i've seen like there's very very practical ways to love your neighbor that are laid out in the quran so how do we how do you think we should be viewing um religious leaders that are that want to say they're all about love yet are neutral in this situation like how how does that come across to you as 
as a former student, as a person who is a, you know, a religious minority in the area, any of those, like, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, um, you know, I think being neutral is not enough. Uh, when you see injustice and hate being spread and spewed, you need to stand up against it. And if you're simply neutral, if you're passive and you do nothing, you're complicit in that hate. You're basically indirectly saying that I'm okay with this. I support this. So I, Leah, I really just want to thank you um, that you were one of the first people that saw this and stood up for what's right. And, uh, you know, it, it takes some serious guts to do that. You know, there's going to be a lot of backlash. People are going to look at you funny after that. That's okay because uh, my position in life has afforded me enough anonymity when I walk down the street that this is a moment where I need to utilize my privilege. Uh, my privilege as a white person, my privilege as someone who's perceived male, my pri privilege as a religious majority. This is a moment that um, I should, should be standing up for. And I truly believe that my life is, I have benefited from my uh, tangential experiences with Islam and with Muslim friends that I that I hold very dear. Um, and so this is a moment where it wasn't a question for me to really stand up and have this conversation. So, so I'm both honored and humbled to be able to do this and have this conversation, you know. Angela, what do you think about that? Because like, you know, you, you're, we've discussed that you're coming from a standpoint of someone who is part of something, not leading something. What is, what do you feel about this sort of um, like, you know, spiritual apathy from leaders or, or complicity? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like for some reason, I'm feeling a little more disgusted because I grew up in the church. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. I think that's one reason I was glad that you agreed to come on this was because you do have that dual practicality of someone who did does you know have an understanding of Christian theology and has an understanding of Muslim theology not that we're projecting expert status on you but I would right. really love to hear more about that disgust that's kind of coming up for you yeah I'm I'm extra frustrated because I I hear all these people talk about the love of Christ, right? The love of Christ and what Jesus uh, would do and that they want to pray for the pastor. I'm team this person and all of that as if there are two separate teams, as if Jesus didn't say, go out and preach the good news to the world, you know, as if Jesus in the Bible, okay, I'm going to Christianity at this point, as if according to Christians, Jesus did not die for everyone, right? The whole inhabited earth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in that viewpoint. Yeah. Not just the people who call themselves Christians today. Correct. But um, so why would there be team anything, first of all? Um, furthermore, why would the people then on the outside just kind of sit by idly and say, hello, why are you behaving this way? You know, you're supposed to be Christians. You're supposed to love everyone. You're not supposed to condone this kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on? Wake up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I very think there's, yeah, it, it is very frustrating to me because to be honest, my faith 
my faith compels me um, to do the things that I do and to work to build intersectionality and to raise conversations and to you know, conversations, no pun intended, but also to have literal conversations. Uh, my faith compels me to do this. And I don't understand how we can have purported religious leaders whose faith doesn't compels them to do anything other than speak up in the face of injustice. I, I'm just very confused about that because I believe that love, love is an action verb, right? Like as a part of speech, love is an action verb. It's something that requires action. Right, and you cannot love God if you're not loving people. Mm -hmm. Like that's the number one thing in marriage even, right? Like if you are not loving God, you cannot love your spouse properly. Like you cannot tell me that you love God if you are not loving other humans. Mm -hmm. Like, so how can you be any type of leader and tell me you are, you're telling me that Muslims mm -hmm. are going to hell mm -hmm. or people with schizophrenia are in need of exorcism and are possessed by demons. Oh. <sighs> it's stressful. I see yeah. some screwing in your mind, Saad. Are you, are you just in agreement or do you have some like thoughts coming up for you? just nodding right now yeah that's fair that's fair i just have to wonder like i mean if the basis of christianity is supposed to be love um it, from my understanding that's from my understand gentle understanding of both judaism and islam that is also a fundamental tenet uh furthermore i from what i understand of both judaism and islam um from people like who i'm, I'm actively taking an interfaith course right now so i'm engaging um with rabbis and imams on a daily basis so please understand i'm not just pulling this out of nowhere but from my understanding um judaism is very much about loving and very much does not draw a delineation between Jews, Christians, and Muslims, at least from the rabbis that I've been learning from and from the imams I've been learning from. Um, and from like, the, I've, I read uh, some passages up from the Quran this week for my class that talk about like the unity of Abrahamic faiths. Like uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, the story of Abraham is in uh, the Torah, which is the Jewish scriptures. It is in the Bible, which is the Christian scriptures. And it is the, in the Quran, which is Islamic scriptures. All of these sacred texts share the story of Abraham. And for a fun little bit of context, um, the story, I was just reading a kind of an extrapolation by a rabbi. And in the story of Abraham, first of all, Abraham had mad wives. Like I'm just saying, Abraham had <laughs> mad wives and concubines. So I'm just saying, fundamental father of the faith, right? I'm just saying this, right? But um, there's this story where Abraham couldn't get pregnant with his wife, Sarah. And so Sarah says, bro, do with Hagar, my, my slave woman or my concubine. Or um, I do believe that the recent, most recent Islamic text I read um, recounted Hagar as a second wife. So, so a little bit more equity in title there. But at any rate, Abraham does the deed with Hagar and a, a son is produced, right? And the son is Ishmael. And then eventually Abraham and Sarah are able to have a baby and the son is Isaac. And what happens is Sarah's like, get rid of Ishmael, get rid of Hagar. And Hagar in Hebrew literally means the other. And so, so really what happens is Abraham and Sarah dismiss the other 
right? They sacrifice the other and send them out into the desert. And then a couple chapters later, um, God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. And I think that that's a very interesting commentary on othering because be careful who you are sacrificing because it could next be your own child on that altar. And I think that that's a very pertinent story that we come into this situation with because like we as Muslims and LGBTQ people and black people and people with mental health issues, we are the margins. I'm, I have certain areas of privilege that others don't, but we are the margins. And if we are willing to sit by, who's the next on the altar? Mm. I just read that before I came here. So I was coming in hot. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you for that. I wouldn't it's, have been able to guess how eloquently. Oh, no, no worries. It was really interesting to me though, because the entire translation of Hagar, the name Hagar means the other in Hebrew. Uh, and I, I sure hope, I sure hope my friend Heather is watching this so she can check me on my Hebrew later because she's a rabbi and she always is like, you're missing a word or something. Uh, but it's great because I learn something every time. But I think that a lot, what happened really with this public, this public hate speech, and I'm sorry, there's no other name for it. And I'm also not sorry because calling out hate speech doesn't make one hateful. That's the comments I've been getting a lot lately. <laughs> um, but when, when you speak out against the other, you speak out against all others. Yeah, so something I was just writing down because it made me think of when we were just talking about the silence of others. Mm -hmm. It made me think of a quote by MLK, mm -hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think Olean is a small enough town, too, that we've all, in one way or another, noticed the silence of at least one friend. Yeah. Or a silence of someone we had previously looked up to. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. or respected. And Saad, I had a question for you. And you touched on it a little bit. You said, if you were still a student, you would be really, you wouldn't feel safe right mm -hmm. now. So would, I'm wondering, would you then start to like question in your mind about every teacher? Because he said that the congregation was full of educators that have infiltrated the educational system in Olean. What do you think, how do you think you would feel? Cause you've only graduated, what? How many years has it been? I'm getting old. Uh, four years. Five, five, four years, okay. Yeah, so four years ago. Let's go back like five years, okay? You're a senior in high school. Let's imagine this happened then. What do you think you and the other seniors would be doing about this? Like, how do you think you'd feel? I think I'd feel uh, pretty alone. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I don't want to like draw any conclusions and this could be wrong, but I think that like the majority of uh, only in high school students are probably like Christian and therefore you know based on those comments part of the government of God so you know I would feel mm -hmm. really excluded and and separated mm -hmm. um you know you you mentioned that there are other educators uh that are part of that congregation um 
that have you know infiltrated the school mm-hmm. um and i i would really uh just not feel safe because you know i'm, I'm a minor and these are the people who are responsible for my safety yeah. and they don't really respect uh you know how i'm different as a person and they don't see me you know as an equal uh so i, I think that would really hurt a lot um another thing is is I'm not sure, uh, you know, whether the school has had any official statements, but, you know, like, it's, it seemed like at that meeting last Tuesday that the Board of Education was, like, sitting quietly while there were hateful people mm-hmm. chanting and screaming, uh, trying to silence uh, us speaking out against this injustice. So it seems like the Board of Education was complicit in that. I mean, they, uh, they made it really difficult for people to show up. You had to register in advance. And, you know, saying something in a calm and respectful way is one thing. But behaving like a child and screaming over people, uh, you know, I, I would think they probably should have been removed, but they weren't. So that shows you that the official, you know, board that's in charge of the school district is okay. Uh, with with that, hey, I don't know if there's been any you know official statements or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the only official statement is that there is no official statement. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that Superintendent Rick Moore did say that he feels like the public concern has died down. Um, to which I hope there is a very real awakening of the illusion of that. Uh, but I also think that you're you're exactly right. Like there was an air of complicity. And and to be fair, I have to admit that um, when the the second speaker got up, who was a pastor, um, self-proclaimed pastor uh, of an unaffiliated church who doesn't have school kids in the school district or doesn't pay taxes in the school district, the person got up and pulled a copy of the constitution out of the Bible which seems to exemplify the problem that we're having anyways, and proceeded to preach about religious freedom. In that moment, I did in fact turn up, st- stand up and turn my back in silent protest. And I will absolutely own that action um, because I will absolutely own not being complicit to that message. Uh, some, at some point later in the three minute speech, um, like a, a 10 second limit was announced and someone from the, from the crowd, uh, well, I think they were on our, like on the side that I was on, started counting on down. our side of the wedding. Yeah, <laughs> our side, started okay. counting down <laughs> from five um, to the end. But then as soon as that happened, like that stopped, right? Like there was not a continuation of this. Uh, and it was a very different air. And I'm, I'm not afraid to own that happening, you know? Um, and unfortunately there's not one one video of continuity um, with all the speakers. I tried to take one, but I was unable to. Uh, I've obtained an audio clip and I know that there are some other clips of other um, of other speeches going around, but like there's no one compilation of them, right? So, but there was during when, you know, the person after me spoke and there was no heckling, right? Uh, and then when I spoke there, like towards the end, there was screaming and hollering from a very specific group of five people, group of five people, one of whom is a local pastor and proceeded to scream my birth name as an insult in a derogatory manner towards me. I don't think that you can feign, you can feign neutrality in that situation. 
Hmm. Angela, were you, you were at the school board meeting, right? I was there. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was the feeling on the ground as a person who, who does wear a hijab, who is Muslim and who is a, a parent of Muslim children in this school district? Um, what, what have your children experienced? What have you experienced as a Muslim parent? What was your feeling of personal reaction in that moment of the school board meeting? In that moment, I felt like it was just a joke. It was mm -hmm. definitely a joke. It did not feel like a group, uh, a board meeting of adults mm -hmm. at all. It was not professional at all. Um, they did have the option of extending for 15 minutes or however, right? It was a total of 15 minutes, I think. They could have extended. Why on earth did not one of those board members stand up and say, okay, let's extend rather than allowing that kind of like mockery. It was, mm -hmm. it just wasn't professional at all. Agreed. And to watch again, someone who calls themselves a leader to stand there and just continue to yell out things like they were doing. It just, it was archaic. <laughs> really it was. Mm -hmm. Um, there were people in the audience who were actually videotaping as well and saying choice things. Um, and I didn't want on their videos because mm -hmm. the things they were saying, uh, it was just really embarrassing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It was really embarrassing. I was embarrassed for everyone because of the actions. Um, it, it just wasn't a board meeting, <laughs> not at all. Yep. And I didn't speak, you know, um, I've said it already in a couple different threads online that, you know, I called the um, uh, superintendent, mm -hmm. I called him, I had a long conversation with him. He was very pleasant. I'm not saying that he wasn't, yeah. he was great. Um, I don't know him on a personal level, but he seems like he was pretty nice. Um, he said that he actually told me a personal interaction that he had with the one Muslim woman that used to work at the school mm -hmm. who um, she had come from Bangladesh and she was looking for a prayer space in school and she had been wandering around and luckily he was a little bit cultured because he knew she was looking for a prayer space and you know not like the cafeteria or something he said so he was able to offer her a space to pray and anyway so he told me that basically the things that I wanted to speak on seemed like it was going to be a bit redundant, you know, because of the four people that were already signed up to speak and there was limited time. And each person was only given three minutes to speak. So, you know, that was it. So four people were signed up to speak and uh, nothing was said. I don't know. Basically all that was talked about because it seemed to then be generated basically around attack on Christianity mm -hmm. and that's not at all what this is about not at all it didn't start as this and it's not ending as that you know what I mean oh no, exactly this is a reaction now 
to a person in authority, again, what I said in the beginning, a person in authority who happens to be the leader of, uh, you know, an elementary or middle school district, right? He's a leader of kids, mm -hmm. like who's supposed to make kids feel safe, like Saad said, you know, not feel singled out, not, you know, you want to know that you can go to him for anything. Like Saad, I'm going to ask you again, um, even though this person, he's your principal, and even though he was saying it in church and not at school, you wouldn't be able to separate that in your mind as a student, right? If you saw it on Facebook. Absolutely. And, you know, just because he's outside the school setting uh, doesn't mean he can just say whatever he wants. Um, right. You wouldn't be able to compartmentalize that as a student. No. No. I, I think it's really interesting here. Uh, this is a trend I've noticed lately um, in, in American discourse as well as people uh, in, in positions of social power, people who possess social capital by proxy of their social location. So people who are more in... Um, in the center than the margins, right? Uh, it could be white, it could be Christian, it could be male, it could be cisgendered, uh, it could be literate, it could be able-bodied, right? But people who are in the center want to um, simultaneously say that, you know, like, isms are dead, racism is dead, sexism is dead, homophobia isn't real but then also as soon as you question the the practical outcroppings of the things that they say immediately they pick up the narrative of being a victim of hate I have to ask you I have to ask you this side because you happen to be a person who is like Muslim but also brown as a person who is who historically it has been marginalized in this in in our society what does it feel like to hear like a straight white christian male say that they're being attacked when you when you've lived the life that you've lived yeah you know um growing up in school being called a terrorist every day being called osama um you know definitely experiencing a lot of bullying from that um i think it's interesting i'm not like an expert on psychology or something but uh you know I guess somebody had been characterizing it as an attack on Christianity. Um, it's it's weird how a lot of the times, you know, in like interpersonal relationships, like, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, the person who's actually the abuser will turn around and claim to be the victim. Always. Strangely enough. Yeah. They'll say that, that they're the ones who are the victim, even though they're the ones who are the abusers. And uh, that just makes everybody feeling, leaves everybody feeling confused, I think. Again, I'm not an expert in psychology or something, but I've noticed that. You're no, right. that's okay. You're, that's, that's an absolutely astute observation. So you, you received a lot of those types of remarks in Olean? Oh yeah, every day, even a couple of days ago. I mean, it, it, it doesn't stop. Um, and I'm sure that we can talk later about uh, you know, Mrs. Rose, I don't know if you've had any problems, discrimination, or, you know, you wearing the hijab. Um, but I guess I'll just say real quick, a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I were walking down the street. We like to take walks together. Uh, it's good exercise and good family time uh, down North Union Street. And my mom wears the hijab. It's completely her own choice. Um, yeah. 
and not just one but I think two or three is like first uh, we were walking down, we had just started and a couple of teenagers uh, walked past us and started screaming like some fake like Arabic, like, oh, la, 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 like, you know, some kind of uh, it was meant to demean us and uh, make us feel excluded. And I, I was really angry. But, you know, my dad told me to calm down. They're just some stupid kids, whatever. You know, they don't know how to behave yet. Um, so we keep going down. Now we're like by JCC or like by uh, state and union. And uh, there's a car full of people uh, who were screaming something at us again. And I, I knew that this was because we were brown in a white town and my mom was wearing a hijab. And that doesn't really make us feel safe, right? Not at all. No, that's so incredibly disheartening to me. And there is no room in this conversation for me to center white guilt um, because that's not the point of this conversation. But it's just so disheartening to me, like knowing you as a person that as I do, knowing you tangentially through my kids, like it's absolutely heartbreaking and it's absolutely being, it's being tolerated. Moreover, it's being, there's no, there is no neutral in this situation. It's being encouraged by a Christian pastor who is supposed to encourage love, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love, acceptance. I, I, I don't even have, like, I never don't have words. That's kind of my thing. Most days, all I have is words. And I just don't even know what to say because I can't understand how people can try to even make some sort of claim that you can be neutral in this situation. The thing about religious language, the thing about religious speech, and uh, this is an idea that I'm stealing, so I'm going to cite the author. Uh, Dr. Rachel Mikva is a rabbi and a professor of mine, and she authored a book entitled Dangerous Religious Ideas, and her thesis is that all religious ideas are dangerous religious ideas, and that is why each of the Abrahamic faiths, which she's an expert in, each of the Abrahamic faiths has built within it deep um, self-critical methods so that each person who partakes in a religious practice can first be self-critical so that so as to not blindly wield the power of God as a club, right? And, and I think it's disheartening to see people fail to embrace the self-critical practice that you are supposed to have as a person of faith, moreover, as a leader of a faith community, because right now people are wantonly brandishing the, the word of God and, and, and God's authority and religious ideas, and they're using them to promote hate. There's no, com there's no neutrality, only complicity. Yeah. Okay, so that's exactly what happened at that board meeting. The one, the last pastor that spoke, I think? No, the third, excuse me. The third person, first pastor. Mm -hmm. They quoted, which one was it? Was it Romans 1? Oh yeah, Romans 1. And said that that's all that happened. That's all that this is about is that some pastor in his private church wanted to worship in a way that he wants to worship and wanted to talk to his congregation about Romans 1, which supposedly speaks on homosexuality and how it's unacceptable. That is not at all what this is about. And it is not up to them to interpret what 
what God meant, you know, to take, okay, again, I am no scholar, <laughs> okay, on any, on any uh, script, mm -hmm. but I know that the languages have been changed loads of times, mm -hmm. and just what you were just saying, like, they are playing God, so to speak, right, and taking what they want out of it and pushing it into the minds of the people in their congregation. And again, it had nothing to do with, with that at all. It wasn't just about Romans one. That's not at all. And that's the thing too. There was this only in times Herald uh, post mm -hmm. yesterday. And I think that is what um, the community is understanding as well as again that it's some attack on christianity and that people have the right to worship in a way that they seem fit and to believe that you know what they deem is their truth of course of course they do this is not it at all yeah but that's not meant for the school systems and um <clears throat> when you are a representative of an institution when i worked for mcdonald's when i worked for the ywca when i worked for any social work agency that i was a part of up to and including administration and management there was an understanding and there was an explicit clause in our contracts that said your representation of this of this of this business of this institution and we i'm not you know that it wasn't like we can't control what you're going to say but it was you have to be willing to accept the responsibility that no matter where you will go especially in a small town that parentheses is mine no matter where you go you're a representative of this organization and you can't i can't we can't say what someone can post but we can say that you can't post and propagate stuff that is counter to the organization and the theme of the Huskies, uh, from what I hear, is everyone pulls the sled. All the Huskies pull the sled. What about the Muslim Huskies? Right. I, I, I don't know. I guess I just don't see where there's room for neutrality in this issue. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, can you imagine when we worked for the YW? if we would have posted something like anti-abortion nope. on our personal Facebook page and made it to a public audience. Yep. Yep. We would have definitely been spoken to Absolutely. and we are not any leader of any nope. sort. We were just social workers, <laughs> yep. Yep. advocates, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's funny. We didn't even know each other, but we both happened to work in those places. <laughs> I know it's so wild that we did and we didn't like, uh, didn't overlap. That's kind of funny, but. No, yeah, exactly. What? But I just was thinking about this when you just said that about social media policies. Don't the students of Olean have a social media policy like about bullying and stuff? I sure do. Yeah. But the administration doesn't. One of the ever so uh, courageous students that spoke at the student protest uh, last week actually read the student policy that they have to sign. And they said, where is the policy for teachers? And yeah. I think that, that that's that voice is coming from the students. That voice is coming from the students. They saw this. This is real. Furthermore, as a parenthetical side note, while I like big words, sorry, the more syllables, the more fun. Um, while we were at the student 
student-led protest with students anywhere from fourth to 12th grade up to alumni speaking, a grown man stood across the road on the corner of the street and felt so emboldened as to scream, you are nasty, you all are nasty, you're nasty, you all are nasty, over and over again at a group of students. The kind of rhetoric that is being put out in the public has tangible side effects. That behavior being part of it. People sitting outside the school board meeting and yelling at students to the point that the student resource officer had to step in. That mm. behavior is being accepted. Oh, you that is what? Oh, what after, the, happened after the meeting? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, because that it followed out into the street. And um, when after I was done speaking, the environment in the room was incredibly hostile and incredibly tense. And so um, my ever so wonderful partner looked at me and said, we need to make sure people are safe. And so we decided to quietly leave, not as an act of protest, but just simply that portion of the meeting was over. We also knew that the school is completely screwing over our teachers right now. And the teachers were also there in protest, trying to gain um, a voice for a fair contract, which I think is another travesty for another video uh, because the teachers deserve better. Um, but at, we decided to leave and get our folks, like the folks that were looking to us for guidance to just leave and diffuse the situation. And instead, when we went outside, we were followed outside by the group of people that was up in front screaming and yelling during the end of my speech, screaming and yelling over Rick Moore, screaming and yelling over the gavel banging, screaming and yelling over anything that was being said. And so we went outside and then they came outside and then sat by the door and proceeded to yell at people and try to engage people to the point where I walked over and I just looked at folks that were there and I was like, it, it's not worth it. Um, this, like this behavior isn't going to change and we're not going to be able to change it. And it's best for our own safety and interest if we just walk away. These people kept screaming. This, this, this pastor kept screaming my, my birth name, which is not my legal name, screaming it as an insult the whole time. Um, another child of one of the people that was screaming in the meeting was calling people trannies, gay bitches, F slurs all of these things as they were trying to be outside of the meeting to the point where Officer McGraw had to step in. And kudos to Officer McGraw for defusing the situation because he truly did a good job and he was absolutely there to protect the students. And I, you know, I have to applaud him on that. Um, and he came up afterwards to make sure that the students were okay and everything like that. So um, good on Officer McGraw and thank, and thank him for his service in that moment. But the situation followed outside the meeting. So what message, what message is being sent to the community? The message that it's okay to behave like that. The message that it's okay to berate a brown family who has someone wearing a hijab on them when you're driving down North Union Street. Mm -hmm. The message that you can pull off someone's hijab in school or you can tell them they can't wear it because like, oh, boys don't wear the hijab. No, I know mm -hmm. that's a story that you've shared with me. Um, there are there are numerous stories of Islamophobic behavior, and when I say phobic, I cringe because it's not phobic; it's a choice. It's not a fear; it's a choice. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. At this point, I mean, you have a choice to do some of your own research. Everyone has the internet these days. Like you know, you can go beyond what you were told after nine eleven, right? Yep. Yep. And and do your own research to find out who who did what, who does what. Sada, yep. I'm so sorry that you guys experienced that. It's not okay. 
And you made a good point too when you said that, well, when you brought up that you didn't know if the school made um, um, made a statement or like a response. Yeah, made yeah, made like a formal statement. Yeah, because they haven't. Yeah. And that the Board of Education at that meeting didn't even say anything. They didn't stop people from behaving that way. Mm -hmm. So that shows you that they're not caring. It's kind right. of like a joke, yep. you know, they don't care whatsoever. And you know, could you imagine if, if it was the other way around? Can you imagine if someone at the mosque said something like that? Can you imagine if an Imam said, yeah. Or really any Muslim, because they're not willing to yeah, see any, any Muslim, not even the leader. Any Muslim, not even looking for a leader, just any Muslim. If you were to say, right, if you were to pop off and be like, Christians are outside of the government of God, how quickly would you be assaulted? Would your job be notified? Would the school board be notified? How quickly? Right. How long would it take for someone to drop uh, religious slurs? Right. I mean, how long would it take, uh, not just for me to be assaulted by some random person, you know, some hateful person for saying that, but maybe even by the government. So, I mean, mm -hmm. like the school, the public right. school is part of the government, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as a Muslim, if, or any Muslim, if, if they were to make comments like Christians are not part of the government of God, homosexuals are this and that, um, I'm pretty sure they would be like designated as a terrorist and yeah, we're radical. prosecuted. Like the FBI would be right there. These yeah. are these are terrorists planning an attack against non-Muslims. Yeah. Like that's how that gets characterized. It gets twisted. So when a minority does it, all of a sudden they're a terrorist. But when like the majority, you know, like a cisgender white Christian uh, male says something like that, they become the victim, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, crazy double standards there. That's so incredibly accurate. And because of my position of privilege, I didn't even consider that, but you are absolutely correct. The, the literal, the Patriot Act was designed for that sort of stuff, right? Like that's horrifying because it's not just that there would be social consequences for you. There could very likely be legal uh, governmental processes enacted against you. Uh, that's horrifying. Well, yeah. Yeah, you go for your trip and all of a sudden you go to board the plane and you can't mm -hmm. and you don't even know why. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Um, like, I, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. I was just going to say that uh, U.S. citizens, like American citizens, uh, maybe they've made like, like say, say, for example, Joel Witcher chose to have some personal beliefs and express them on, you know, a live stream that were kind of hateful. So maybe there's some extremist Muslims out there too. They went on YouTube and they recorded some hateful stuff saying that Christians are bad, Jews are bad, whatever, right? Extreme views. These are US citizens. They left the country on a vacation and they were drone striked. They were not part of a terrorist organization. They were hit by a missile and they were killed by the US government. So yeah, I just wanted to add that real quick. No, I mean, thank you, thank you for adding that because it's it's incredibly true. And there's this under, there's a permanent othering of people who are Muslim, especially, right? Whereas you're seen as like your skin color or your religion first, and you're not seen as American when there's a damn American flag in, in your room. Like I saw it. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, 
but there's this perpetual othering and then we allow and and on some level are complicit in championing voices that would continually other you and not only other you, but would empower people to pro like to commit acts of aggression towards you. Like, how is this not making sense? Let me give you another example. So I, I walked into an ice cream shop recently. And uh, as soon as I walked in, um, I don't know if it was the way I was dressed or the way I looked or what, you know, I was dressed kind of nice. I was wearing a polo and some nicer pants. And this guy comes up to me and he says, oh, you must not be from around here. Um, you must be from out of town. Uh, welcome to Olean, blah, blah, blah. You know, Olean's real cool. And like, I mean, I, I grew up here, right? And, you know, growing up here as a second generation Pakistani immigrant, it's hard because you feel like you're not really part of I mean, like, if I go back to Pakistan, I can't really speak Urdu that well. And I'm obviously like an American and have some American cultures and values. So I don't feel like I'm part of that community. Mm -hmm. And in my own hometown where I grew up, you know, I attended the schools, I walk in and somebody says, oh, you must not be from here. You know, you look like you're from somewhere else, just based on the way I look. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like I can't be accepted here either. So, you know, I'm kind of just floating around in this vacuum. Mm. That's so incredibly frustrating for me to hear because like I've had moments of that um, of sort of feeling like a person without a flag being a, a person who is LGBTQ and Christian um, and, and my entire culture like in the way that people can be culturally Muslim or culturally Jewish I was culturally evangelical Christian and suddenly my culture was I was not allowed to participate anymore the moment I came out but I wasn't gay enough for the gays and I wasn't Christian enough for the Christians and I and I experienced all of that while having white skin right and so there was wasn't an immediate visual cue and I can only imagine what that feels like to be like bro I, I belong here like where am I from oh like you know whatever like 121 North Union Street or whatever I don't, I don't know who <laughs> is 121 but like that's where I'm from <laughs> mm -hmm. that's absurd yeah. man maybe we can spend a few minutes um I know this this conversation was supposed to be about Muslims and maybe those comments but um you know, as a member of the LBGT, uh, LBGT community, you know, I'm definitely a strong ally. Um, he also made comments saying that, uh, you know, uh, homosexuals and people who are anything except for cisgender and, and straight um, are outside the government of God. And think about how many students are, you know, in the school systems who are struggling to figure out their sexuality mm -hmm. um, and their sexual orientation or their gender. And I mean, that can be so dark, so depressing. Uh, they can go through some serious mental health issues because of that. And you have their principal. I mean, middle school is like a, a big time for people to figure yeah. that out. And you have their principal telling them that they hate them. It is. Absolutely. That's actually part of what we were protesting three years ago when this exact same thing happened three years ago. Same thing happened three years ago. And we we consulted with some lawyers and we came up with a plan to pro, like not to infringe anybody's free speech, but to simply free students from the potential damage of this speech being leveled at them by a school administrator. And the plan was completely a religious. It was completely a 
amoral. It was simply a plan to protect students. And part of that plan was the creation of a, of a gay straight alliance at Olean Middle School. Uh, that did not happen. Come to find out this year, now that I know some more context, perhaps we know why there was no gay straight alliance in the middle school. But furthermore, our project No, our sex ed education for our students was made in the 70s. There is a public health crisis that the school is actively contributing to because we are not teaching people who are not cisgendered, who are not um, heterosexual, we're not teaching them how to be physically safe. We are not creating an attitude of openness and understanding by simply teaching equity. And people will say right away, well, middle school students are too young to learn about this. No, they're not. There is, there is curriculum that starts in first, second, and third grade where you can talk about bodily autonomy. You can talk about respect for others. You can talk about healthy relationships. You can talk about all of these things. And the Olean School District adamantly avoids providing any equitable safe sex education to our students under the guise of religion. That's absurd. And, and like you said, Saad, middle school is where it's happening. We had multiple fourth graders get up at that protest and speak. Fourth graders having to lobby for their own rights. Yeah. Nine-year-old children. Nine-year-old children having to hold a megaphone and request that they be treated with dignity and respect in their school systems. I don't, I mean, I don't even know how you follow up that concept, like how? And I think that, man, I just don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I know that we can't give up. I don't know what the answer is, but I know that we can't do it on our own. I do know the answer involves all of us working together, right? All of us, because as a person who is of all of my intersection, uh, all of my intersectional identities, I recognize that there is no justice for me unless there is also justice and equity for you um, as a brown man. There's also justice and you for Angela as a single mom with neurodivergent children who, who is a hijabi. Like there is no justice for any of us until there is justice for all of us. And I think that it's just incredible shame that we're having this conversation in 2021. It is, it is a shame. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's absurd. So I'm just checking our comments right now to see if anyone had any real questions. So um people uh someone said we will straight up cancel celebrities and politicians for their for their words. They have the right to say them, but people also have the right to be fired for them and to not vote for them, et cetera, et cetera. I think the thing with cancel culture is we don't like people don't get a chance to learn. Uh, but I think it's an interesting intersection here because the Olean school board has been presented with a chance to learn and has actively chose, they did not fail to, they chose to not act in sincerity and authenticity. They did not fail to, they chose to. So, so they were provided with an opportunity to learn and they chose not to. And now our students are still suffering from the same issues three years later after the school board chose to not act. I would love to hear more about what happened three years ago because I'm not uh, informed about it, but I just wanted to add a little point. Um, so private companies and private organizations, like for example, um, Fresh Fire Worship Center, or we could say any private company, they can come together and uh, create an organization or corporation 
um, that does not have to be held to the same standards as the government or as education. So my mm-hmm. point is that private companies will all the time dismiss and fire executives and board members mm-hmm. for behavior and comments that they made outside of work, right? If they, if they did something objectionable, they're immediately fired or they step down uh, if they're an executive or, or board member. And that's, that's just the standard for private companies. Private yeah. companies mm-hmm. are not legally obligated to create an environment that respects, you know, like the government and education systems are legally obligated to create an environment that's accepting of all, you know, students or people, regardless of religion, sex, identity, uh, gender. And uh, they haven't dismissed this person. Yeah, no, no, they They haven't haven't spoken on it. Yeah, they haven't spoken on it. They haven't dismissed the person. Now I'm caught up on that. (laughs) (laughs) Angela, exactly. I was sorry. No, you're fine. Go, go, go. You. Now I'm I'm stuck on that. Thanks, (laughs) Sod. They haven't even spoken on it. What the hell? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No. Let alone private companies will, you know, dismiss people for like. You know, at the hospital, if uh, somebody is not necessarily saying anything racist or is just acting erratically, they'll just be dismissed or fired. Mm-hmm. And this I is the public school. They need to be held to a higher standard. You can't say stuff like that. Infiltrated the school is where they exactly. take it level. If they just- to- what if a Muslim said they were infiltrating the school system? So bad. It'd be so bad. Imagine, Sog, let's go infiltrate the school system. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, if we I keep saying just... that the FBI is going to be knocking on our doors, we better be <laughs> I know. Here comes the helicopter. I know. <laughs> right, right. No, so I was thinking this exact thing when he was saying that. I was thinking, watch some like marketing director of Nike talk about um, you know, Christians or just any anything they would be fired on the spot exactly because no one wants that PR nightmare right no one wants it but yet you have a school principal Mm -hmm. and the district has not even said a word on it yet no and he just said something about the hospital so my sister-in-law said something to me the other day right she is a nurse and she said imagine imagine that she was even just um like on Facebook and her own page. And she was on there saying, you know what? You know, the stereotypes that were long ago, not the stereotype, excuse me, the the horrible misperceptions about black women not feeling pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say she was on there. She's a white woman. Let's say she was on there and she said that. I don't believe that black women deserve the same medical treatment and they don't need um, anesthesia because they don't feel pain, this, this, and that. And it got leaked. That information got leaked. People would be coming not only for her job, but they would be going to the state for her license. Yes. Her medical license. Yes. And you have a principal who said some horrible things. And all we're talking about is religious freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what is going on? It's an incredible show of smoke and mirrors, and it's an incredible example of of Christians 
cosplaying or of politicians cosplaying as Christians. Someone said that and I can't get it out of my mind, but it is literally politicians cosplaying as religious professionals perpetuating this sort of stuff. Um, and it's, I, I cannot get it out of my head and I wish I could remember who it was to credit them because it, it really pr provided such an apropos understanding of the situation. So um, I don't wanna keep you guys too long. I could personally talk about this for the next 17 hours straight, but I think people might have some things to do. But someone in our comments did drop a really important question. So um, I, what, what did you wanna say, Angela? Cause I'd love to hear what you have to say and then we'll, then we'll go on to that. Sorry, I just wanna say one more thing in case any kids are listening. Yep. Okay, so the other night, all of you kids who put together the protest and you, I was standing there with the Jolly Rancher in my mouth. Thank you to the sweet little boy who gave me my favorite watermelon Jolly Rancher. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, and you asked me if I would speak and I was not prepared, but I want to thank you uh, for letting me mm -hmm. speak on your night. And I just want to tell you that you're incredibly brave mm -hmm. for standing there on your school grounds in front of your administration, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that one of them said some horrible things mm -hmm. and you still stood up to that. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what is right and what is wrong. You know that you are worthy. And I am proud of you just as a community member and I want you to stay strong and keep going. And even if I don't know you personally, I love you. I love that. And that's uh, that's so pertinent. And uh, unwittingly, that leads me into what I'd love to kind of like talk about as we wrap up. Um, like I said, I could talk forever, but uh, I it, that's, not, that's not the purpose of tonight. Um, I wanna share as we wrap up a little bit of an anecdote. Um, and that is something that I wanna be vulnerable about my own history. Um, I realized, you know, 12 or 13 years ago that I was a racist um, because while I might not have intentionally harbored racist sentiments, I was complicit in a system of that was based on racism. And, uh, and some very, very loving friends explained this to me. And not long after that moment, I had an experience that really framed the rest of my life. Um, I was in Barcelona and I was at an Arabic speaking Christian church. And I was deeply uncomfortable, deeply, and I, I didn't know why. And so what I do is just a person who's like somewhat neurotic about their own inner life. Uh, I questioned myself and I held my, a, a little bit of an interrogation of myself, like, why are you nervous in this moment? And I was happening in the moment. So I'm writing in my journal and I realized, like I wrote it before I realized it, I realized that I had only ever heard Arabic on the news in reference to terrorism before that mm -hmm. moment. And so there I was in a space with people who fundamentally were of the same religion as me because they were Arabic speaking Christians. And I was so deeply uncomfortable because I was inadvertently like anti-Muslim. I, I was inadvertently, and that, and that I was a product, I was a product of my culture that I grew up in, right? Because I, I didn't I didn't read a book about, you know, like uh, I didn't read a book about why Islam was bad or evil, but I ingested that. And I think that just as you cannot be passively not racist, you cannot be passively interfaith or intersectional. 
And so that is why I want to seek out conversations with people like you, Saad, and you, Angela, because it makes us stronger when we talk about these things. And so in that spirit, um, someone asked, who I believe is a, a really recent student of Olean, someone asked, where do we go from here? And so I would love to chat about that. I'm just going to say some real practical things, but then I would like to get both of your perspectives. So practically, in terms of where we go from here, I think we have to keep coming to the school board and, 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 and demanding action and not pandering real action. Because three years ago, they placated us. And we can't let that happen again, because we're just going to be back in the same spot. And it is downright abusive to leave children vulnerable to this same situation for a third time. So I think practically you have to get involved and go to the school board meetings. If you want to speak, the best way to do that is you have to message the school secretary, uh, email, the, uh, email the superintendent secretary uh, before the meeting and request to be put on the agenda. So that's a first practical thing. There is a group of community members organizing and holding meetings um, regarding how this strategize to proceed and I will tag them in the comments. Uh, Mr. Timothy Sherlock will be organizing that. So if you're interested in getting involved, you can do that. Um, that being said, that's the tangible things. Uh, and my personal commitment is to intentionally building interfaith connections and being actively interfaith and only, and that's what I'm seeking to do. Um, I just spoke with the interfaith uh, community of Olean like Facebook page to get involved, um, and I'm going to actively commit to that as a person. But what do you both think, as people who have drastically different social settings than I do, um, what do we do? Where do we go next, you know? Yeah, so I would suggest um, getting together with other faiths. So in casual settings, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be, you know, in a worship setting. You know, you don't have to feel like um, like you're going to offend your, your God, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to do something that is um, is not your truth, okay? Mm -hmm. But to to be able to see that people, no matter what faith they are, are still real people and can be real friends, and so you know, have coffee together uh, that group that that I saw online what is can you pin that group to yes I will absolutely tag it. it's the Olean interfaith community it is facilitated by the Presbyterian Church who actually the 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 reverend at the Presbyterian Church did in fact speak out um this Sunday in his homily about everything that's been happening in Olean so I am attempting to screen grab that so I can share it but I do want to make it an acknowledgement that there that uh Reverend Bruce uh in fact did say something on the matter and I, I'm very very appreciative of that so but I will tag the Olean area interfaith group so that people can get involved if they so desire okay yeah I don't know anything about them personally but it looked good it's a group of interfaith people right yeah uh, I think it's kind together. of startup so yeah I think that would be great just to get together have conversation coffee tea have fun absolutely what about you Saad I'm not exactly sure, um, but just an idea I had is, you know, like maybe we can create like an interfaith or 
intersectional church, uh, where, which is secular, not any particular re religion, uh, you know, has the underlying values of love mm -hmm. and acceptance um, and mm -hmm. is really inviting marginalized communities, uh, minorities and people who are LBGT to come, even if they're not part of any particular religion. You know, and and we can, you know, similar to some of the, these churches, we can have uh, an event on on Sunday uh, where we have music and we have maybe somebody like you, Leo, uh, speaking passionately, uh, of, you know, words of, of love instead of hate. Why mm -hmm. why can't we do the same thing? Absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. That's actually my personal passion. I love if you would like to contribute, we have a I have conversations as a Patreon. We can make that happen. But that is actually the original design of conversations um, was to be that in-person interface. And we kind of were forced online because of COVID. But I am working to find some funding to perhaps make that a reality in Olean because I think that's what we need, right? Uh, I think a large portion of what we need in the world today is community. And I think that's always been a function of religious gatherings. Uh, and I see no way that that wouldn't help. That's a that's like a quadruple negative, but there's no way that that sort of gathering would fail to create change in our community. That's Preaching a way better way to say it. I love what Saad just said, preaching love. Absolutely. And like, yes. like, True love is a verb and it bears with it action. And so if you're going to be about love, you you have to actively be about love. I absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Guys, this was an amazing conversation. Um, I'm incredibly thankful to both of you for your presence. I'm incredibly thankful that you were both willing to speak up um, in an area that doesn't always really want to hear your voice or champion your voice. I believe that the voices of the margins are what always makes for a better society. And so I thank you for um, just blessing us with your knowledge and your time and your presence on this issue. I know that this video is gonna reach a lot of people who might be unwittingly ignorant. And I mean that in a true sense of the word, like, like they want to know better and do better. And so I thank you mm -hmm. for um, extending me the assumption of goodwill here. And I thank you for extending the assumption of goodwill to the people who are gonna watch this video. Um, I recognize that it was a conscious choice for you to be here. And I'm incredibly appreciative of your presence here and in my own life. Thank you too, very much. Thanks for the invite. It was yeah. nice speaking with you too, Saad yeah. and Liam. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for everything. Hey man, we're gonna do this together, right? Like no one of us can change anything, but together we can be unstoppable. Um, if, if, the, if minorities stop punching laterally and start punching up, we can create change and we can work to dismantle oppressive systems by using our unique intersectionality um, to really combat systems of oppression. So, so here's to hopefully this conversation will, will spur us to a better way forward. Um, and I thank you guys so much. I did, I did tag uh, the only an interfaith group in the comments down here. If you guys want to drop your links uh, just to your personal pages, even if people just want to, to get to know um, somebody who is different than them. Uh, if you want to do that, that's cool. Feel free to drop your links. If not, um, you know, that's totally fine too, but I, I look forward to hopefully, um, a better, more actualized Olean after this conversation. Thank you guys so much. Everybody who's watched,
thank you for your time and your energies. Please feel free to share this. Uh, also, please feel free to check out the conversation's official page. This is by no means a membership ploy, uh, but I actually do try to facilitate these intersectional conversations on a weekly basis. Uh, we are in between seasons of conversations right now because I'm a very dumb person who thought I didn't need to do things in seasons, and I was fully committed to driving myself into the ground, apparently. Uh, but we've got some good things coming up. We have Black pastors. We have lesbian Black rabbis. We have gay imams. Uh, we have social justice workers working for Native American rights in rural America. All sorts of things coming up um, this coming season on Conversations. And if you need a place to be, we don't have a building right now, but we do have a space for you at the conversation. So please let me know if you want to get more involved and check out conversationsofficial.com. Angela, Saad, have a great evening. Uh, Saad, enjoy your chicken wings. Angela, enjoy, uh, you know, maybe having one less kid in the house tonight. And I will talk to both of you very soon. All right. Thank you. Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.